Hello and welcome to the RBC Broadview Campus Sermon Podcast. Our mission here is loving God, loving people and seeing lives change. At RBC, our heart is to build a Jesus-centered community to see lives changed in multiple languages and locations. We hope you enjoy this message from one of our weekend services. To find out more about us, please visit our website, rbc.org.au. Good morning, everyone. Um, So this week is the second week in a series that we're looking at called First Loved. And this is a series all about the character of God being a God of love. So 1 John 4 verse 8 tells us that God is love. Not that he shows love, but that he is love. And the clearest demonstration of God showing who he is, his character of love, is that of Jesus, God's son coming to earth to be with us, to die for us. But God's love didn't start with Jesus. It doesn't begin smack bang at the beginning of the New Testament. God made himself known as a God of love long before Jesus came to earth. God has always loved his creation and his people and he's demonstrated this throughout history. And this is what we're looking at in this series, all the different ways that God has shown himself, demonstrated himself to be a God of love throughout the whole biblical story. We're going to take, if you like, a broad view. That's a Michael Finlay joke for you. Um, At the biblical story and the way that God has shown his love to us and this is demonstrated and evident throughout all of scripture and we want to talk about the implications of this for us as we seek to follow Jesus and live as part of his kingdom what does a kingdom founded on the love of God look like as God has revealed this over time and our hope is that as we continue to explore this Together as a church family, we'll come to a greater understanding of God's consistent character of love, how all of his loving attributes are seen in the life and teachings of Jesus, and to explore together what this means for us who live as kingdom ambassadors and how this might speak light into our world. And last week, Reuben talked about how God's love was shown through creation. God didn't create because he needed something. He didn't create because he was lonely. He didn't create out of a sense of ego. But he created the world because he loved us. And today we're looking at the love of God as demonstrated through liberation and justice. Do you have stories that are part of your family narrative? Stories that are told over and over again to give a picture of what your life was like. Or do you have friends that um, you've known for so long that um, there are shared stories that tell of shared experiences that define and demonstrate your relationships. How you were formed, what's inherent in you, what you value, who you are. Miria this morning's already told us a story about singing with her mum. That's a significant family story. What would your family story be? In my family growing up, um, a lot of our stories would revolve around family holidays. We didn't have a lot of money, so we never flew. 
Um, but we drove everywhere and we drove to every different side of the country. So as a child, we lived in Adelaide or Clare um, for a little while and we drove to Perth and we drove to Darwin and we drove to Brisbane. My two sisters and I were packed in the back of our family Turago and our old camper van was towed behind. My parents are pastors, so often um, these trips were something to do with ministry, something ministry adjacent. It was often a conference or um, leading a retreat. Um, sometimes it was for a um, family event. We had a lot of family interstate, so it might have been a wedding. Um, but my parents always made the journey there and back, especially, um, very intentional in the time that we spent together and the places that we saw along the way. And my dad would set me maths homework that involved um, looking at kilometres travelled, price of fuel, um, average fuel consumption, amount of fuel it was going to cost us um, to get from Adelaide to Darwin. Um, and we always went to educational places. We went to museums and science centres. And um, we often stayed with people, again, because we didn't have a lot of money. So we would sit around and make um, awkward conversation and read in the corner with people that we didn't know. Um, but my family stories involve a lot of reading in the back of the car. Um, they involve quite a bit of adventuring. Um, always learning, because we were going to educational places. Um, and the journey being just as important as the destination. And all of those things form part of the narrative. Those are the stories that my sisters and I tell of our childhood. And we have good friends. Um, and our time together always involves very, very late nights. Um, board games, chocolate, um, and deep conversation. Um, and these are the kinds of stories that we tell when we begin new friendships. If you don't know somebody very well and you're trying to get to know them, you pull out the stories. Um, because you can share information about yourself. You can share stories of where you grew up and where you went to school and what your occupation is and what your hobbies are. Um, but more likely, what gives a bigger picture of who you are is the stories that you share. It's the stories that describe what kind of people that we are. And these stories will share a better picture of information, better picture of us than just information ever could. And for the Israelites, for God's people in the Bible, their defining story, above any other story that they told over and over again, was the story of the Exodus. Exodus is the second book in the Bible um, and it tells the story about how a whole nation of people were forced into slavery in Egypt and God moved in great power over and over again until the Egyptians were finally forced to set them free and they were liberated from slavery. And the um, climactic event of the story is God parting a sea so that they could walk through to safety. And this was their story that has been told over and over again through generations. The people were called again and again to remember this story as part of their narrative, as part of who they were and what they meant to God. Not just that he set them free, but that, that they were persecuted people. God heard their cry and he acted. He acted out of his love for the people, renewing the covenant that he had with them. The promise that he had made to them. They belonged to him. 
And this was how God referred to himself, how God is spoken about throughout scripture. He says, remember, this is what I did. This is who you are because of your relationship to me. Exodus 20 verse 2, I am the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. And this is echoed and continued throughout the Old Testament. We hear the exact same phrase much later on in Psalm 81.10. I am the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt. There are so many characteristics of God that are big and powerful and holy. And these are certainly things that we need to remember. Our God is the one that created the universe. He set everything into motion. But it's also significant that this is the phrase that called the people back to God to remember who they were, a reminder of what God had done for them out of his great love when they were in need. Their great story, the one that defined them, the one that they would tell, was a reminder that God heard them God loves them and God cares for those who are in need. All through the Bible, God is introduced or described as the defender of people who are vulnerable. So Psalm 68, 4 to 5, we are told he is a father to the fatherless. He is a defender of widows. After God liberated people from Egypt, he renewed his covenant, his promise with them, which we heard a little about last week when Reuben spoke about covenant. And he gave them the law, which instructed them in living in a way that, I, um, that aligned with their identity as a people of God. God, as a God of love, who has created everyone in his image, gave the people a law that instructed them to live in a way that valued everyone as equally made in the image of God. By following the law, they were meant to show everyone they belong to God. We live differently. Our God looks like this, and this is how we live. The law was consistent with the character of God, and they needed to live in a way that aligned with his character. Over and over through the law, the people were commanded to live justly, to live in a way that protected the vulnerable around them. So there were laws like lending to the poor without interest, distributing goods to the needy, cancelling debt. When you harvested your field, you weren't supposed to take everything. You were supposed to leave a little bit um, so that the poor could come and collect. Deuteronomy 15, verse 8 and 10. If anyone is poor among your fellow Israelites in any of the towns of the land, the Lord your God is giving you. Do not be hard-hearted or tight-fisted toward them. Rather, be open-handed and freely lend them whatever they need. Give generously to them and do so without a grudging heart. Then because of this, the Lord your God will bless you in all your work and in everything you put your hand to. Our God is a generous God. And words like generously and freely um, were used in instructing the people how to care for those among them. They weren't handouts. They weren't... um, giving the tiny little scraps of the leftovers if you could. And this was open-handed sharing of what God had given. Ironically, even though God rescued people from slavery, these people who told the story again and again of who they were in God, they still got it wrong. And they went on again and again over time to commit the same acts of injustice toward others. 
And so this is why we have the prophets throughout the Old Testament to call people back to the way that God wanted them to live. The prophet Micah, um, who gave us the verse that you might have heard us, he gave us many other things, but this particular verse that you might have heard before, he has shown you, O mortal, what is good and what does the Lord require of you? Act justly, love mercy, walk humbly with your God. This is what it simply comes down to. This is what God requires of us. Act justly, love mercy, walk humbly with God. And when we talk about God's justice, we're referring to the creating systems that allow other people to flourish. Often we think about retribution, some justice is somebody has done something wrong and so they get what's coming to them. They get a fitting punishment. But justice in this context was acknowledging that everyone is made in the image of God. Justice means creating a society where everything is right and everyone can flourish and thrive. It means advocating for the vulnerable. It means changing social, just social structures to prevent injustice. Proverbs 31 verse 8, speak up for those who cannot speak for themselves. Ensure justice for those being crushed. Speak up for the poor and helpless and see that they get justice. So then we come to Jesus, the ultimate demonstration of the love of God, of God showing us who he was. Jesus began his ministry by declaring, the spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favour. Throughout Jesus' ministry and teaching, he continually acted and highlighted the need for care for the vulnerable. In Matthew 11, 4 verse 5, John the Baptist's disciples asked Jesus if he was the Messiah. And he replied, Go back and report to John what you hear and see. The blind receive sight, the lame walk, those who have leprosy are cleansed, the deaf hear, the dead are raised, and the good news is proclaimed to the poor. Those were the indications of Jesus' kingdom, of the ways that God looked like. And in following Jesus, in living in the way of his kingdom, we are called to be people that live with the same mandate of justice and liberation. Jesus coming to die for us, to declare us righteous when we don't deserve it, needs to compel us to seek righteousness and justice for others. Living as a follower of Jesus needs to compel us to act differently. Just like the Israelites were called to live in a way that said to everyone else, we belong to God, we live differently. We are called to the same thing. Living as part of Jesus' kingdom doesn't mean a few tweaks, doesn't mean you're a little bit nicer to people, but it means a radical way of life that isn't always convenient or easy. Loving your neighbour as yourself is something that should change our whole lives.
So it's been a little bit um, challenging for me. A, a lot of you would know that um, uh, our families deliberately moved um, into this area with the intentional aim of building um, community, building relationships with people around us. And the challenge for this means that always, always trying to hear from God, to try and show love to those around me, um, around us, um, because you don't always feel like this. I know that I can be um, short-tempered. I know that I can be grumpy. Um, but trying to seek opportunities for relationship and show love to others around us um, means, means everyone, not just when I'm having a good day or not just my friends. Um, it means a way of life. So what does it mean to live as people as justice, a people of justice? What does it mean to act justly, as we hear in Micah? Most importantly, it requires orientating our heart towards God. It requires a realisation that the God that we follow is a God of love, who cares deeply about the vulnerable, and that we are called to do the same. So firstly, we need to be praying for justice. We need to be aware of what's happening. We need to ask God to speak to us. We, where necessary, we need to ask God to break our hearts for what's happening in the world around us. Because the thing about prayer is that, as well as petitioning God, we're also joining in with the heart of God. He knows the things that we, we pray for. He knows everything that's happening. Um, but by seeking him in prayer, we're joining in with his heart. We can't ignore or forget about something that we are honestly seeking God in prayer about. We can't um, walk past things if we are um, praying to God about them. Um, you might remember each, um, each weekday, 7 o'clock on Zoom, um, the invitation is open um, to pray as a church community. We join with um, Enfield, Enfield Baptist um, to pray specifically for our friends and family to come to know God. Um, and we're partnering with Enfield is because they are close by and we want to um, try and see real change in our community. And we've been doing this for six months now, since February. Um, you're always welcome to join in with us. Um, but starting the day like this, we remember that not everybody knows Jesus. It helps in focusing out towards others. It helps in aligning our heart towards God for his heart for people. Prayer helps us draw closer to God, to hear his heart, to notice what's happening, things that aren't the way that they should be, where people aren't um, experiencing the love of God. What does justice look like in your world? What does it look like to seek justice, to do justice in your world? What has God uniquely called you to do? And that will be um, different for everybody. It will look different in different contexts. Um, there might be ways that we can act justly as individuals or act justly as a church community. Um, a very um, small but significant example is something that we've talked about before, so shopping ethically. 
Um, and the reason that this is significant is because it's something that is continual. It's making conscious decisions about what we buy, where it comes from, and how our decisions are impacting others. It's acknowledging that the decision that we make impacts somebody else. Um, there are some great guides on this. Baptist World AIDS um, Ethical Shopping Guide is um, really well researched um, and it tells of the impacts that buying particular brands have on the people that make those things. Um, Rachel Payne is um, great at all of this stuff. Um, she will have heaps of ideas for you if you're looking for um, suggestions and how to integrate this into your life. It's only a small example but we would all have things in our life that God could be speaking to us about in how to um, act justly in our context. Um, in a moment, we're going to play a, um, a prayer on a video. Um, you might know I'm um, currently working part-time for Baptist Care um, with church partnerships, so aiming to connect churches with the work of Baptist Care as Baptist churches, mission and justice is something that's in our DNA, something that was um, part of our church foundation. Baptist care is an outworking of that. So it is um, something that churches own and are working with. Um, so I, we don't usually talk about Baptist care a lot, um, but August is Baptist care month. Um, and this is where we intentionally focus on the work that Baptist Care do to care for the most vulnerable in our community. And there's a lot of people here that support um, West Care, which is um, Baptist Care's homeless, homelessness centre in the city. Um, but there's lots of other areas that Baptist Care work in. Um, and so playing the video today um, so that we can reflect on um, some of the ways that there is injustice in the world around us, as a, as a prompting um, to continue to be in prayer um, and I guess as a prompting for um, what God is calling us to. So some of the injustice in the world that we can be um, aware of, that we can um, come before God in prayer to hear his heart and um, remember that he is a God of love that created all of us in his image, and he calls us to live out of that. So um, we'll play the video. It's a couple of minutes. Um, it, it, is, it is a prayer that is spoken, so it's a little bit different, but um, please feel free to listen and just reflect um, on what's talked about. And then after that, I'll hand back to Miriam. Hi, my name is Ellen. I work at Baptist Care SA and I'm here today at the West Care Centre. I acknowledge today the Ghana people as the original custodians of this land and we honour their leaders past, present and future. It's my privilege and joy to lead us in prayer today for Baptist Care SA Month. Loving God, today we come together to seek your face, your presence, your power and your leading. God, you are a good God a God of justice who designed this earth and every person living on it to live lives of freedom, of equal opportunity and of thriving. 
Jesus, when you began your ministry, you began by declaring sight for the blind, freedom for captives, healing for the brokenhearted and good news for the poor. Jesus, lead us in your ways. Help us to continue your work among the most vulnerable people in our communities today. Holy Spirit, we ask you to act in power in the lives of those across our country who are experiencing injustice the most. Lord, we pray today especially for our Indigenous First Nations brothers and sisters. Lord, would you help their voices to be heard? Would you help their needs to be met? Would you restore their relationships with country and kin where these relationships have been disrupted? God, where life has dealt them pain and trauma and despair, would you breathe, repair, healing, hope and dignity? God, we pray for the 200 plus men, women and children who will be sleeping rough tonight. Across our CBD, God, we ask that your spirit would be known by them. Would your presence be felt tangibly? God, would you use us as a movement to meet their needs, to continue to provide food for their bodies, a safe haven and a warm place to rest their heads? God, you know each one of their stories uniquely and what has brought them to be sleeping rough in this season of life. Lord, help them to find a secure future. And God, we pray for those who are exiting the prison system. We thank you, God, for the way that your community has been used in the past. And we ask that you would rise us up again to be people of a warm welcome to them. People who express your grace, who offer them uh, employment, and housing and friendship. Jesus, be with them and meet all of their needs as they begin again. And finally, God, we pray for every child across our state who for their own safety are unable to live at home with their families. We pray for the children in our out-of-home care that as a movement, you would use us to bring healing. Lord, with the care that our staff provide, help them to rebuild trust. With the care that we provide as a movement to these children, help them to understand their dignity and value, how much you love them and care for them, and how much hope you have for their future. We pray that you would use our staff who have been entrusted with their care to care for them in such a way that they would live flourishing lives. Would you help us to rebuild trust, to speak belonging and love and healing into and over each one of those children? Loving God, in all of the places where there is injustice in our world and in our communities around us, would you use us, your people? Use us as we seek a just world together. Amen. Thanks for listening and we hope that you enjoyed this podcast. If this message has impacted you in some way, we would love to hear from you. You can contact us through The Hub online at thehub.rbc.org.au or through our social media links in the show notes. See you next time.